By the time you hear this podcast, you'll feel a new sensation. By the time you hear this podcast, I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we are back with episode 153. And uh, still can't get the transition to work right, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Episode 153. And thank you for anyone who's listened and downloaded and watched this Twitch stream so far. uh, All 12 of you. And... uh, (laughs) Uh, thank you for joining us again to go on this podcast journey with the uh, Eric B. and Rakim of podcasting. <laughs> I'm Do probably we... <laughs> Eric B. because I'm behind the board. <laughs> Hold on. So we have we have 12 listeners? Uh, at least. I was going to say tonight it's 11 because one of them is. <laughs> <laughs> it, might, it might count if, if he opens Twitch. If, if he it opens might, it. It might still count. It'll be number 12. <laughs> Work, works for me. So um, we do have a guest, and uh, still not working right, but that's okay. As you see Ben on the screen there. So we do have a guest, and he is joining us uh, all the way from the Pacific time zone. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that could be anywhere, anywhere. You'll never find him. <laughs> um, he is the uh, first person to have joined us in studio. And oh, by video, oh, we have oh, Matt G. What's going on, man? What's up, man? How's it going? <laughs> AKA Peachy McMurphy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say his other names. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us, Matt. Um, it's been a while. The, the last episode you were on was, um, was it the, was the one Idol? about the fire festival? No, no, no. The the one about mm-hmm. Billy Idol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you were in studio for was... the fire festival one about the. Was there one right after that too? You were on for the color and the shape as well, but I don't remember when that uh, was. Was that after? Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. I feel like it, it might have been. After. Well, okay, so it's it's more recent than I thought. I'm Weren't sorry. you on the, ne- the Nevermind <laughs> one too? That was like no. That was like our fourth one. Oh, I thought you were on the Nevermind one. I know that was back when I was. Oh, you're right. Long time I was, ago. Because yeah, I we're... wouldn't stop talking shit about how I didn't like Nevermind. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were overrated or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was man. like our fourth or fifth episode, I feel like. 
Um, it was early yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, got to ask you this because I keep forgetting to ask the guest. I keep forgetting to ask Ben. Uh, well, I know what Ben's been listening to lately, but Matt, what have you been listening to lately? Uh, oh, man. So <laughs> a lot of crap that my uh, coworker has turned me on to, which don't get me wrong, it, some of it's all right, but most of it is annoying. <laughs> he listens to a lot of like old school, what does he call it? City pop. So like Jap- pop. it's kind of J-pop, but it's they call it city pop. Because it's from the 80s, I guess. That's different. Okay. So just imagine, you know, hmm. 80s type music, but in Japanese or Korean or whatever one he's listening to. There's one called, I think the it's a couple and they're called Lime. They might actually be like Swedish or something, but it's the same idea. Okay. So regardless, I'm listening to some weird stuff. I might check this out. I'm looking at it right now. Is that by, um, is that like by, by choice or... <laughs> Are they well, like no, you play it at no. work and you're like you you can't change the station or, or play something? Uh, that's else. kind of how it happened. And then he started. <laughs> at first, he played a lot of uh, video game soundtracks, but from mm. like old, like you know, 16-bit and PlayStation uh, era soundtracks. But then he turned into a lot of the the city pop stuff. So that's when I started really paying attention. Word so. Up. I didn't have a choice, but then eventually he started playing things I liked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, <laughs> Ben, what have you been listening to? Oh, I thought you never asked. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so um, aside from myself and songs I've written, um, a lot of country music. Um, I'm, I'm getting myself back into that writing again. So, And plus, I, I added a couple of country songs to my set list. Um, nice. Did a um I did a show a couple of weeks back with Trent, who is um an old college. Yes, I asked about you, Greg. Yes, how you're doing? I was surprised too. <laughs> I guess you look at your face like why? Exactly. <laughs> he was but, like, "How's Greg?" Okay. I was like, "I do a podcast with him." That's what's up, man. I miss those days. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So we did a couple of country songs, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I should try." Um, there's a guy named Jimmy Wa- Jimmy not Walker Jimmy Allen. Um, country singer, he's a black dude, because uh, clearly it seems like we are being more accepted in Nashville now. Um, I thought it was even more interesting. So he's not from the South. He's from, like, Delaware, I think. Um, he's pretty jacked also. Like, he's a big dude. And he's, like, he's my age. So I was like, okay, there's hope. You know, there's. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we played one of his songs at a show down in Sonoy. And um, I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool stuff. So I started listening to some of that and some Brett Young. Um which that stuff is not necessarily bro country. It's not like Florida Georgia line. It's um, really just kind of like pop ballady, pop country, if you will. So, been checking out some of that stuff and working on some some more songs. But yeah, that's that's what I've been listening to. All right, cool. Um, so, uh, why I said that Ben could not, uh, <laughs> he, he had to be listening to someone besides himself. Hopefully, um, so. Uh, half of this podcast uh, is officially a recording artist. Hey, that's what's up. <laughs> and you can find his uh, his his debut. Yeah, sure, album, his debut album. Yeah, his debut album, Midnight Tonight, <laughs> Warm Georgia Nights. And where where can people find it? 
on all streaming services. Um, so I know right now is um, even though I know Matt couldn't find it, but um, I got pre-order links on Amazon Music and iTunes, which is Apple Music essentially. Um, but it'll be on Spotify. It'll be on Tidal, Deezer. Um, they gave me a whole list of things that it's on, and it's any one of them that you, anything that you can recognize, it's on. Um, okay. Thanks to DistroKid. Shout out to Brandon who put me on the DistroKid. Um, essentially, you pay a fee and you upload as much music as you want everywhere. <laughs> All right. So um, we can go ahead and say this now. Uh, the next episode should be about the recording process. Sure. But we'll talk about that. Yeah. 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 I think that'll be fun. It'll I don't know if Matt will need insight. to be on again because, I mean, spoiler if alert. he's available. He contributed a solo <laughs> to it as well as um, production and artistic direction. That's what I was like. That's what you call it. Like artistic direction when it's just like, all right, his like his artistic hands, so to speak. I'm doing jazz hands. We're all over, <laughs> we're all over the record. So yeah. Um, so I want to say shout out to Matt, but he's on here. So thanks, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> so if we uh, uh, the next time that we can record, Matt, if you're available, we'd love to have you on to discuss it. Yeah. Um, so. Um, Let's get into some music news here. I know I didn't tell Ben any news that we were going to talk about. Surprise! <laughs> but um, um, this one, I mean, we've talked about you know the return of music festivals, and um, there was the what was this the Day Trip Festival in San Bernardino. I don't know if if you're in is that Northern California, Matt, or is that Southern? Do you know? Uh, I think it's Northern. Okay. Um, so they that was the July 4th weekend. They had the Day Trip Festival. Uh, it seemed to go off without a hitch. Uh, but even though this isn't in America, but it's in the Netherlands, uh, the Vernipt Festival uh, was held earlier this month in Utrecht in the Netherlands. And according to information, more than a thousand attendees contracted COVID nineteen. Ah, oh, Jesus! At which one? At the one in the Netherlands? In the Netherlands. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, there was. It was supposed to be a, a structured COVID safe <laughs> event where people had to show proof of vaccination or that they at least got one of the shots, <laughs> um, <laughs> or a negative test. It's something. Uh, but with but I, I think they gave them too much of a time frame. They said within the last 40 hours. And like they said, a lot of things can happen in 40 hours. How many do we know how many people I'm just curious about the, the hit rate here. Do we know how many people went? Um, This article doesn't say how many people were there, because if it was like 10,000 people, that's pretty accurate <laughs> versus like, you know, if, you know, maybe you know, 40 or 50,000 people, but that's, I mean, that's still crazy. Um, it almost feels like we're at the point now where like for the longest, everyone's like, Oh, it's no worse than the flu. I feel like we're getting there now in terms of how we feel about it. Like as by no means. So I think it's worse is close to the flu, but, um, I think we're getting to that point worldwide to where we're just going to treat it like the flu. You get your shot every <laughs> year, maybe you get a yeah. booster and you just go on about your life. Mm. Um, and we just try, we do our best to mitigate the circumstances and we don't talk about 2020 <laughs> when it got really bad. It was 20,000 attendees. So that's a pretty, that's like what, maybe a 5%. I'm not good at math. Don't quote that me. Five, yeah, that's 5%. About that. Yeah. 
So that's, that's ins- I mean, I guess you could say, well, there's a 95% chance I don't get it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I, I feel, and I mean, I know they did this, they knowingly did it, but I do feel bad for the people that got it. Yeah. Like, that's, that can't be a good feeling. But, man, that's, yeah, it's still going on. <laughs> uh, so what do you what do you think, Matt? Like, do you think that uh, the the festival is in trouble, or this was just kind of a a bump in the road? I think it's just a bump in the road, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, because like it's it's kind of like what Ben said. It's I think people are going to treat it like a regular flu now. So I can't see these festivals having trouble anymore. I think it's just kind of like, uh, well, we learned from this one. We'll, we'll yeah. move on. Well, people liked it. <laughs> Let's keep doing it. Um, and they're saying that it's possible that some people got COVID after the festival uh, or from yeah. any event connected to the festival yeah. where there were more lax requirements. Um, yeah, I doubt anyone's doing any intense contact tracing here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we And there have been some cancellations already. Uh, the Foo Fighters uh, oh, had a show at Madison Square Garden with only vaccinated guests. I heard about that one. And they were forced to follow up their next show in L.A. because someone caught COVID in the Foo Fighters group. In the band? The, I don't know if it was in the band. It said I, the Foo Fighters camp. I think it said the – oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I thought he said the crew, and I was like, oh. I was like, geez, like, yeah, who was it? Was it? <laughs> I don't even know who's still in it. Like, is it? I know. I mean, Dave Grohl, of course. Pat Smear, I think, joined Nate Mendel, Taylor Hawkins. Are they still those guys still in the yeah, band? Yeah, it's all the same guys. And okay. then Josh something, the guitar player. With Josh Homie? The other. No, 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 oh, no. Okay. The guy. Well, he's been with them forever. Okay. Um, I remember he was the guitar player for No Use for a Name. Oh, was he the he same guy who was in the? Um, he was in that the Vandals, cover band. I think. Yeah, the Vandals. Yeah, oh, I love that band. I can't remember his name now. I'm pretty sure it's Josh, some, Josh okay. something. I was thinking that other, that um, Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, but I think that was Chris Shiflett. That was a Me First Oh, no, wait, Gimmies. you're right. That's him. He, it's Chris Shiflett. Oh, okay. Yeah, my bad. Me first I'm the horrible with names. Great, great, like a, an actual like live professional cover band that like releases awesome. albums, and that's all they do. It's great. We, we, we need more of that. Uh, I saw him <laughs> once at the Warp Tour in like 2003, and I... Other than the singer, the rest of the band didn't look like they gave a shit about what was going on. Like they were just having fun. Pretty sure Fat Mike was wasted, and it was it was pretty cool. Oh man, it sounded awesome. I, oh, I bet they did. I mean, it's basically a super group. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. So, um, I don't know what other shows they're gonna have if they well they're if they're gonna reschedule that or or what with that particular show. Um, hmm. I didn't know Tomorrowland had moved. Uh, to Belgium because <laughs> it used to be here in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Uh, but they uh, they were they were going to have an event with four hundred thousand people, Ooh, but they damn. canceled it due to COVID nineteen concerns. And Australia's Big Sound Festival was also forced to cancel. So um, we'll see what happens. I guess the the next. Um, did Lollapalooza already happen? I know before no, we talked about so. the um, if you got the vaccine and you lived in Illinois, you could get a free ticket <laughs> to, to Lollapalooza. <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, 
Well, there there were some concerns, but they pushed it back uh, with Coachella and what was the other one? The country one that's in the same shaky place. Knees. Oh, our shaky boots, I think. No, no, it's in the same place as Coachella. It's like the the week after. Like, yeah, stagecoach. Yeah, ah, that's yeah. it. That's it. So they they pushed theirs back. It was going to be in October. They pushed it back to their normal April, uh, mid late April um, time. So uh, something to keep an, an eye on for people who are interested in the music festivals. Um, getting vaccinated apparently is not enough. Um, so I, I saw this story and I'm, I will be looking at it and kind of relaying things to you as I see it just because the, but the, um, the headline was funny to me and I thought you guys might be interested. So, um, there's a song by Aaron Lewis from, from Stained, Stained oh God. called oh, Am I the Only going. One? Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and assume, is it extremely right-wing? Uh, Yes. Okay. Because he had a song, because <laughs> he does Outlaw Country, and he yeah. had a, uh, he had a single, like, it's maybe like 10 years ago or more, where he had the Don't Tread on Me flag in there, and basically told liberals to come pull it, that from his cold, dead hands, that whole nine. So I can only imagine um, he's not pulling punches anymore. <laughs> so a uh, music industry c- critic, Bob Lefsetz, is demanding that Big Machine drop Aaron Lewis. Hold on. He's on Big Machine? Yes. Well, uh He's on Valerie <laughs> Music Company, an imprint owned um, by Big Machine. Okay. Big Machine is the company that Taylor Swift was signed to. Her father bought a stake in the company, and they signed her, and she was it for, like, the longest. So when she left, of course, they were devastated, and they sold her masters, and that's why she's making these songs now. But I'm sorry. Continue, continue. This is Uh, so funny. (laughs) So uh, Left Sets wrote, it's heinous. This middle-class right-wing wanker. Oh, God. So is he British? Yeah, I hope uh, so. <laughs> has recorded a song that should have been played at CPAC. Oh god! In between speeches by nitwits like Lowen, Lauren Bobert saying to refuse the Fauci ouchie. Oh Jesus, this is great. <laughs> oh man, this is. Oh, and he also he then went on to say, "Why does Valerie, the the music uh, company, release such crap? Come on, big machine, uh, CEO. Come on, Scott Borchetta." David Geffen, D- David Geffen dropped the Ghetto Boys over their odious lyrics, and now you're marketing this junk. Come on, Scott, get your head out of your rear end. How much money are you gonna make here anyway? And it is all about the money at this point, right? So the song "Am I the Only One" is a conservative take on the current state of America, one that criticizes tearing down <laughs> statues and the left-leaning Bruce Springsteen. What, what did Bruce Springsteen do to him? The track has just entered Billboard's country chart at number one. Of course. <laughs> of course. And MRC data has tracked more than four million streams of the song in the past week. Oh, and God. that's before the track goes to country radio. They're going to Morgan Wallen him. Uh, Borchetta responded <laughs> saying, to just cancel Aaron is ridiculous. And I'm disappointed you would even suggest such a thing. <clears throat> Comparing Aaron Lewis to the Ghetto Boys, that's a reach and a half. You don't have to agree or acknowledge, but Aaron's message is speaking to millions of people 
Let it be a wake up call to reps and dims alike. Be loud and be heard. <sighs> so funny enough. It's funny that. Oh <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> this is great. No, I was just saying like the what he rep- what he responded is kind of what I was thinking, because without knowing the lyrics to the song, like I'm gonna assume he's not telling people to like murder left wing <laughs> people or something. You know, it's I'm assuming he's not gonna try to incite violence. So like if he's just a voicing his opinion like that's the only thing like I, I know i'm not going to agree with what the song is about but like to try to get the guy dropped just because you don't like him yeah that's kind of fucked up mm-hmm. i, I want to play the song but i just hope spotify <laughs> doesn't mess up my algorithms but chris <laughs> lord Al- algae uh did the mixing on oh, he's this. that drum guy right i i don't know if he's a drum guy I just know he's no, he's done like a lot of remixes stuff. and mastering yeah, for yeah he's got like Grammys. 40 years i thought his, yeah but i thought his uh um Specialty was drums because there's a lot of plugins with his name on it. Oh, okay. I wouldn't be surprised. Towards uh, drums. Okay, here's the song. Do I need to take my hat off for this? (laughs) (laughs) The cover is an American flag, so. Uh Am I the only one? Here tonight, didn't even sound like him. Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right. Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not. <clears throat> Who thinks of taking all the good we got and turning it back? Hell, I'll be damned. I think I'm turning into my old man Am I the only one Oh, there he is Willing to bleed <laughs> oh, Take God. a bullet for being free <laughs> Screaming what the fuck in my TV For telling me It sounds yeah, like Matt Parker and Trey Stone wrote this <laughs> Right? So correct me if I'm wrong, but would this not be categorized as stolen valor to pretend like you're going to war for this country and you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, when's the last time he signed up for the? He's the only one, so I mean, like (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh man. Uh, He also later says, "Am I the only one not brainwashed?" making my way through the land of the lost who still gives a shit and worries about his kids as they try to undo all the things he did. Okay. Oh, so here he goes. Am I the only one who quits singing along every time they play a Springsteen song? (laughs) Am I the only one who can't take no more screaming? If you don't like it, there's the fucking door, man. All right. I'm the only Jesus. one still, only one sitting here, still holding on, holding back my tears. This sounds like this sounds like this could have been a lost track from Team America: World Police, right? Yeah. This this is like up there with like freedom isn't free. <laughs> <laughs> it costs a buck oh nine. Um, I mean, hey, you know, from one artist to another, 
speak your truth. <laughs> it, I mean, whatever it may be, it's yeah. It gets a little to express yourself, but Jesus, it gets a little rowdy there at the end where I could see some nut maybe like using that as the like, you know, singing that like, here's the fucking door, like that type of thing. But um, I don't know. That's that's I I mean, honestly, I'm sitting here cracking up, but I know there's somebody who's probably like listening to this, like crying tears of Oh, um, there's someone that shed a tear. Yeah. Yeah. That's like really feeling this. Um, Yeah. You'll I. You'll you'll probably hear this in certain bars in certain small towns, <laughs> like and not like being played on the radio. Like someone's gonna be covering this. Oh yeah, I, I'm uh, karaoke, I, karaoke all the way. I would not be surprised if I hear this thing blasting in Huntington Beach. You Those people so? are gonna love this song. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm gonna be in Nashville this weekend. I might hear it. <laughs> you might. I might. For all the patriots out there, am I the only one? <laughs> This is what we get instead of a new stained album. Dude. Like this is what we get. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought Which, this this is I thought this might have been also the kind of song that like Kid Rock might have done. Like what is Kid Rock yeah. doing is for I thought Kid Rock's supposed to be the transition he's over the country. He's sitting there, they're like, dude, did you hear what Aaron Lewis did? He turns on and like, come on, what the I was gonna do this, but you told me not to. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like, I could totally hear Kid Rock doing this. Or maybe Kid Rock's like, it's all an act. I would never do this. This is stupid. It's <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Um, so, uh, Scott Borchetta later said, Aaron Lewis and I have political disagreements, but there are also things we agree on. I think that's the foundation for the idea of our country. It doesn't work if we're so divided that we can't reach across the aisle, have a conversation or an argument, and ultimately shake hands. If we can't do that, and this moment is so divisive, we may never get our country back. Look, man, Aaron Lewis ain't dividing the country. <laughs> he's also not bringing it together. <laughs> he's not bringing, he ain't doing no, that either. Doing this isn't the song that we're all going to stand and hold hands. And you know what, man? You were right. <laughs> I will say this, though. It sounded better than I thought it would. Oh, I will it sounded worse that. than I thought it was going to. Oh, for real? The yeah. lyrics, I will say, were like awful, but in terms of just like, I guess how he sounded, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know what I expected. I was looking at the credits and I saw like cello. I was like, geez, what are we, what are we getting here? What are we getting here? <sighs> it makes me sad to even enjoy Stain songs now. That was bad. <laughs> if you think that's bad, go check out the trapped Twitter. Like that guy mm. is like, like that guy's aggressive. <laughs> like he is trying to take on all comers like he'd probably fight you in the streets he's so aggressive like it's it's one of those like scarily aggressive like if he were like a like if this were in person like you might call the cops on him aggressive oh damn yeah he's really like he's like cursing people out on their twitter that disagree with him yeah the lead singer it's 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 funny and kind of scary the great fred durst once said my way or the highway (laughs) Apparently they're like they're putting on like vaccination only concerts and yeah it's really weird. Someone posted it on TikTok like saying like in this alternate timeline that we're in, uh, Limp Biscuit is the voice of reason, <laughs> 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 and I can get down with that. Um, yeah, okay, that's that's more than I. That's a little longer one. than I expected to talk about. Uh, Aaron Lewis. Aaron Lewis. <laughs> 
I'm uh, only one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Yes, you are. I don't want to. Um, <laughs> so we talked about this a couple of times before. Um, a couple of, uh, in a couple of recent episodes. Um, <laughs> but see, this this is a story that this is why I call her the fake news of pop music. So Taylor Swift, Uh-oh. who is Uh-oh. re-recorded Fearless and will re-record <clears throat> all of her albums with Big Machine, so she can get royalty and royalties and publishing off of it, uh, has confirmed that the new version of Fearless will not be considered for consideration for the Grammys or the CMAs. Um, Her album Evermore will be submitted for Mm. consideration. So Taylor's version of Fearless. um, Didn't she win album of the year for that? Yeah, I was going to say, can that be the first time an album wins album of the year twice? Shit, that would be awesome. Now I kind of wanted to do it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I would like to see that, just to see her go up there and accept it again. Just be like. Oh, that'd be amazing. (laughs) That'd be hilarious, man. That'd be that'd be a first. Then you know everyone's gonna start doing it. Then oh yeah, yeah. like everyone, like it won't even be about the royalties at that point. They'll just be trying to win again. Can I do it? Like just. To... Oh, <laughs> so, um, so y'all think she should like she should have she should have done it just as a goof? Yeah. Oh I, yeah. Just just for fun because no one's gonna vote for it. Unless the the academy has the same sense of humor as we do, which I don't think they do, but that'd be funny if they're just like, "Hey, why not?" And it's like, and the Grammy goes to Fearless Taylor's version, Taylor Swift, and then she says, "Oh my gosh!" She does that little shock face she always does. That'd be great. But then, like to really cap it off, dig up Kanye. <laughs> like, why not? Just put him up there, you know. And like, and instead of playing something from Fearless. Play famous by Kanye as she walks up. <laughs> that bring it full circle. Uh, speaking of Kanye, <laughs> he is dropping an album this week. So I heard. Uh, really? I believe it's going to be called Donda, named after his mother. Okay. And uh, I can't remember who he has on it, but he has a lot of features. And because someone tweeted, uh, if anyone <laughs> follows um, Justin LeBoy, he's a social media personality. A lot of his tweets get retweeted around the world apparently he says a lot of ridiculous things but (laughs) he's entertaining um he tweeted that kanye played the album for him and kevin durant (laughs) i don't know how those three got together (laughs) but um he played the album for them and and kevin durant was dancing so he enjoyed it there's other productions ahead of its time I'm, and okay. some people might, some people feel like, oh, is this the old Kanye returning? I would love that. I would love my beautiful dark twisted fantasy Kanye. I would too. I, I just don't think he's coming back. Never say never. So I, I'm not getting my hopes up. I'd be interested to hear it, mm-hmm. but I'm not getting my hopes up about it. I'm still curious as to what really caused him. Well, I mean, we know what did, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's yeah. It's it's weird. I, I've actually been looking into a lot of. There's a there's a channel I follow just because I've been in um, my algorithm got messed up by YouTube, so I'm getting all of these um, music industry videos now because I watched some of T Pain stuff, um, which is really interesting. But it there's this guy who has this video this video series about like the music industry and why your favorite artist is broke, 
And apparently I did not know Kanye West posted like his record contracts online so people can go and look at them because he was complaining they really? weren't good enough. And this guy who just made all of these videos talking about like how, you know, most record contracts are like extremely unfair and how you might think certain artists are rich and they're not. It's like actually Kanye West's um, contracts are actually very, very good, very favorable and have all increased with his um, performance as he's done better. He's like, apparently he, um, I forget what the royalty rate is, but he gets like on the high end of royalty rates for artists. So he's making a good amount of money, not to mention the amount of money they put towards um, the Cruel Summer video for good music. So, um, or the, the short film. So um, he was like, you know, it's, it's, you know, he was like, if anyone else thinks any differently, please, you know, let me know in the comments, but this seems fair. Um, but with all that said, yes, I do hope that we have my beautiful dark twisted fantasy era maybe even graduation late registration anything before um i would say anything before yeezus i know some people like yeezus i did not so anything before yeezus yeezus is incomplete that's what all i'll say some people say it was misunderstood i i don't know like i just i feel like it has aged much better um because it was a shock to my ears the first time i heard it (laughs) yeezus was uh kanye with ADD. Yeah, it was just weird. Because he was focused on the fat the the fashion line. Cause you Matt, have you heard the story of how he turned in the album? No. So he goes to Rick Rubin's house, <laughs> hands him a blank hands in the C D, and that's why the al- there's no album cover. Because that kind that's how the C D looked when he handed it to Rick Rubin. <laughs> there was nothing written on it. It was just in a clear case. He hands it to him and says, I got this show in Paris. I got to go. And then he, and then he leaves. <laughs> what did Rick Rubin say? <laughs> he didn't say anything. <laughs> so that's why the album is, that's why it looks like that. But I just felt like it was incomplete because it uh, is like a lot of, if you hear like, some songs that Kanye's done and it sounds like he's mumbling. I was like, this song wasn't done yet. He had an idea of what he, what, how he wanted it to sound, yeah. but he just didn't put, get the words out. Yeah, he got the top so, line. <laughs> so like there are some songs like that where it just sounds like he's mumbling um, and no auto-tune either. Uh, hmm. So I miss auto-tune. Um, you mentioned... Did you mention T Pain just a second ago? Yeah, I did. I've been all over his channel. So uh You subscribed to him, right, Matt, on Twitch? Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to know what y'all thought of this. Uh let's see if it'll play here. <clears throat> Do something else. Just yes. God damn it! Yes. Do some different music! <laughs> We have all the shit that you're doing. We already have it. Lil Uzi Vert is already doing it. Lil Baby is already doing it. The Baby is already doing it. It's literally two niggas with baby in their names that's already doing all the music you want. Do something else. Do something else. That's it. That's all we want. Do something else. Holy shit. We have it. We have it already. You don't have to do that music anymore. We have the music already. We have Lil Baby. We have Dub Baby. We have Lil Uzi Vert. We have Lil Yachty. We have Lil everybody. Do something else. Holy shit. 
sending me this bullshit <laughs> and then get mad when I fucking don't like it. <laughs> Jesus, God damn tap dancing Christ. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I, I was. It's so funny because I was talking to Kendra about where the music industry is going. And how, like, everything sounds the same nowadays. And that was um, one of the consequences of of the downloading and the streaming era where the record companies don't want to, they don't want to put music (laughs) into it anymore. Uh, Not music, they don't want to put money into it. That distracted me. They don't want to put money into it anymore. So now they just go out and find the same thing. And I was like, and for people who really like music it drives a lot of us crazy and clearly it drives him crazy as well drives t-pain crazy as well um but like for your average music fan they don't care and that's why the record companies will keep signing will keep signing these guys who sound alike because it's just like it makes money it's a it's a proven thing because i think in the same in the same video he even talks about how producers who, like a producer or a writer who just basically, you take the iTunes top 10 and you're like, let's make something that sounds like this. They don't typically last. I I, I, <laughs> I beg to differ. They're going to have big careers. I, I mean, you could almost say for a while there, that's what Max Martin was essentially doing. Now, you could also argue that he did some things that were kind of trend setting. So, like, you know, which came first, chicken or the egg? Because, like, yeah, all your stuff sounds like everything that's in the top ten, but you're everything that's in the top ten. So (laughs) it's like, you know. And then in the comments, someone also commented, you know, everyone's not Kanye. Kanye got signed at 19. I know everyone uses auto-tune now or was using auto-tune, but, like, back when he started using it, there's a reason it was called the T-Pain sound. Because outside of what shares believe, no one was really yeah. doing it. And I think you and Matt, you and I actually looked at it that one day to just, you were curious, like, how did this come about? It was just some guy who was like, hey, I got this really cool new thing. You want to try it, Cher? All right, yeah, let's go. Um, and then, you know, you had this dude who makes a whole career out of it. So I don't know, because, like, right now, apparently T-Pain has his own record company or label or whatever. And so he's looking for new people. He's looking for, I guess, the next big original thing. And I don't know if he's ever going to get it, because... People are just going to keep sending them the same stuff, apparently. <laughs> oh, God, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's kind of like on the, um, and we talked about this before, like when there's this, the I guess kind of that new sound or, or like some band or artist breaks through, record companies will go look for that artist. But that seemed to be on a smaller scale to what's happening now. Yeah. Like, we saw, I don't know if there were the, you know, one of the early hair metal bands to to break out, you know, in that 1985 to 1991 period, someone like Guns N' Roses or something. So now the record companies are trying to find someone that looks and or sounds like Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. And we get Motley Crue and we get Poison, but then we also get Winger. And hey, now, like some- <laughs> you leave Winger alone. Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's but and, and Rat look and at Cinderella. It. Oh, Rat. Oh man. Skid Row. Skid, Skid Row. Row. Yeah. So they they just start going to 
the Roxy and Whiskey a Go Go, to try to find these. Uh, so I think it's on a on a it seems to be on a larger scale. Yeah. Um, to where there are similar exactly. names like Lil Baby and Da Baby, uh, or Lil something. I'm Lil's still something. confused by that. I don't know which is which. One of them's from Atlanta. One's from, from Charlotte. Da Baby is from Charlotte. Okay. Nah. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a larger scale now. I don't know if they're going to, um, if they're going through social media, if they're going on SoundCloud or whatever. But I do agree that some of the music starting to sound the same. I saw this video. It was a. I'm still not on TikTok. I saw it that someone <laughs> posted this TikTok video on Facebook. But it was this lady listening to, you know, trying to listen to the songs that the Gen Zers like. And she played like six songs and they all <laughs> sounded the same. Like they were all mumbling the same. It was the same rhythm. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure it was six different artists. And then she puts on Looney's I Got Five on it. And <laughs> oh, I've <laughs> seen that goes. one. Yeah. So, that's a funny video. Yes. You know, uh, but so a lot of it starting to starting to sound the same. And I don't know. It, it's sometimes the new music. It's not fun anymore to listen to. Yeah. Um. Another story. Did I have another story? Uh. Oh, so uh, speaking of <laughs> someone who's makes who's been making a lot of music that kind of sounds the same, Justin Bieber is now okay. the youngest solo artist to have a hundred songs chart on the Hot 100. That's right. a lot of songs. Yeah. So I'm guessing features count then too. Features count. Yeah. Jeez, man. Not bad for a yeah. skinny kid from uh, London, Ontario. <laughs> the biggest YouTube star, the biggest star discovered off of YouTube, I guess so you would say. So that's funny because it's just kind of like, is it one of those things where Justin Bieber is, is responsible for all this crap? <laughs> I mean, essentially. <laughs> he gets discovered by Usher. He's, he's patient zero. <laughs> Essentially, I mean, it's like, he gets discovered, and everyone's just like, dude, if Justin Bieber can do it, so can I. Next thing you know, everyone's making YouTube covers, making songs, you know, and then it, I mean, the natural migration is like, all right, well, what's the new generation going to be on? Oh, we get Instagram. Oh, when that's not cool, what's next? Snapchat. Okay, when that's not cool, what's next? TikTok. So, I mean, thanks, Don't Justin Don't forget about Bieber. the chive, man. The, the what? The chive? <laughs> That, I, I felt like that was huge. The chive? You don't remember the chive? I, I don't. I to me, no it was what the chive is. I'm, I don't think I was oh, cool to enough me for it the was, chive. I feel like it happened in college, maybe. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just uh, it's like kind of like a TikTok or an Instagram like mix, and uh, it's all about like kind of bro stuff, they, like fratty oh, type things. And say, was it swallowed chicks. up by musically? No, they're still around. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I see what you mean, Matt, with the frat. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's very fratastic, but it's essentially it was just you know quick clips or you know photo albums of people trying to be discovered, you know, for being hot. Hmm. Well, yes, he's responsible for that too. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, we'll get to the charts here. Before we get to, um, hold on a second, <clears throat> I froze up here. Okay, so um, 
we'll get to the charts here. Uh, the Hot 100. These are the top 10 songs. Debuting at number one, Permission to Dance by BTS. I believe their last song, Butter, debuted at number one yeah. as well. Um, number one, it was number one last week. We didn't do a show last week. But last week, the number one song was Good For You by Olivia Rodrigo. This week, it's number two. No, actually, it was number two last week. Um <clears throat> Number three this week is Stay, debuting at number three, The Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. So that was number 100, I think. <laughs> uh, number four, Levitating by Dua Lipa featuring Baby. Number five, Kiss Me More by Doja Cat featuring SZA. Number six, Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran, uh, where I feel like he's ripping off The weekend. Uh, after hours motif, but I haven't heard the song, so I have no idea yet. I, I I don't know if that's true yet, but that's based on this uh this picture of him with black eyes but with vampire teeth, um, wearing a pink suit. <laughs> I yeah, it it might be that. <clears throat> it was number one last week, but they knocked themselves out of the top spot. Butter by BTS is number seven. Uh, number eight. Lil Nas X, Montero, Call Me By Your Name. Uh, I think he's putting out a new song this week, which he is kind of making fun of the whole Nike lawsuit oh, God. <laughs> over the shoes. <laughs> um, number nine, Save Your Tears, The Weeknd and Ariana Grande. And number 10, Deja Vu by Olivia Rodrigo. I have not heard any of these songs. What? Well, I've heard Levitating. You haven't heard Good For You? No. It essentially sounds like uh, Misery Business by Paramore. I yeah. think All I've right. heard the two Olivia Rodrigo songs because yeah. another coworker, she's 21. She listens to like all of the stuff you just named. Nice. Some of it's pretty good. Butter is, is a really good track, actually. Speaking of Olivia Rodrigo, she has the number one album this week. Sour is number one. It was number one last week. <clears throat> number two is Planet Her by Doja Cat. Number three Dangerous, the double album by <laughs> the redeemable question mark Morgan Wallen. Get ready. Aaron Luz is going to replace that. <laughs> Number four, The Voice of the Heroes by Lil Baby and Lil Dirk. Number five, Hall of Fame by Polo G. Number six, Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. Number seven, Call Me If You Get Lost by Tyler, the Creator. Number eight, Inside the Songs by Bo Burnham. <laughs> number nine, After Hours by The Weeknd. And number 10, Against His Pain by Moneybag Yo. These, uh, those Bur Bo Burnham songs are popping up all over TikTok. <laughs> and they're pretty funny. <laughs> the Jeffrey yeah, Bezos have... song is hilarious. <laughs> I, I need to give it a try again because I, it was probably about like 10 years ago. Or so Bannister tried to get me onto Bo Burnham and I wanted to punch the TV with oh. whatever. <laughs> Like, whatever special we were watching, it was so obnoxious. I've heard this new one is dark, and that comes from um, from Kevin. Okay. And um, it gets, like, it's it's interesting, funny, but you can tell, apparently he made it during quarantine. And mm. it's kind of like a descent into, like, his madness, I guess. But, um, the like, some of, a lot of these songs are, like, popping up all over TikTok. The Jeffrey Bezos song is everywhere. Um, and then I started hearing another one called White Girl Instagram. 
<laughs> I saw that title. I remember the song, but I saw that yeah, title. Yeah, where it's basically just like talking about, like someone made a, um, I first saw it on a video where someone was like, make Ariel a basic white girl. Like Ariel from, um, from, from Little, Little Mermaid. Mermaid. Yeah. And they just put her in like, you know, like a sweatshirt and leggings and a pair of Nikes. <laughs> and that song's playing in the background, white girl Instagram. <laughs> Have you seen the video? There's this video of um, this girl who has on a jean jacket and black leggings with like some Chuck Taylors and she's at the movies. And then she sees all these other white girls dressed the exact same way, like jean jacket, white T-shirt, black <laughs> leggings and Chuck Taylors. And whoever's holding the camera is like she would just like kind of walk up to them. She's like she wouldn't like tap him on the shoulder or anything, but she would just kind of point out that this person's dressed like me, <laughs> this person's dressed like me, these group of girls are all dressed like me. I swear uh, when I came to visit you, I, I've never seen so many women in leggings and sneakers. It was yeah. like it was the official uniform of the state of California. <laughs> it was Pretty crazy. Much. In the airport, at the at the shopping place at the restaurants like no matter where just like leggings either like and it had to be dark like black hold on i think a score just went final hold on did scott foster do it i don't think so the bucks are up by four. Oh, i thought it went final sorry didn't mean to interrupt got yeah, a lot, got a lot riding on this one <laughs> um so we'll get to the uh artist 100 uh, number one this week, they have the number one song, and they were just number two last week, BTS. Number two is Olivia Rodrigo. Number three is Doja Cat. Number four, The Weeknd. Number five, Justin Bieber. Number six, after a pretty long layoff, Sirius Malone. I heard a really <laughs> interesting conspiracy theory about him. That, that? He's not, really he him? doesn't sing his own songs. That it's actually Aaron Lewis. No, <laughs> it's actually Justin Bieber pitched um, pitched down. Hmm. So, so the that's an odd yeah. conspiracy theory. I was diving deep down the TikTok conspiracy theory hole, but somebody was so apparently they say because he smokes a lot, there's no way he can have a voice like that. So they said that um, they think it's Justin Bieber, and they just pitched the vocals down because somebody took. Uh, a Post Malone song and pitch the vocals up and it sounds eerily like Justin Bieber so that's where the conspiracy mm. theory came from and it had a lot of likes so apparently people think there's some credence to this <laughs> <laughs> uh, number seven Luke Combs still the nicest man in the country as far as I can tell I saw one of his videos <laughs> like he was having a good time <laughs> number eight <laughs> number eight Ed Sheeran Number nine, Dua Lipa, and number 10, Lil Baby. Um, oh. Taylor Swift dropped out of the top 10 this week. Oh, darn. Uh, and so did Tyler, the creator. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, so, uh, oh, one more story here. The So Sony Music has, uh, they, they have the art and, uh, a campaign called Artists Forward and it said they have announced an expansion of the comprehensive support we provide to thousands of our artists around the world 
prioritizing transparency with creators in all aspects of, of their de development. The biggest part of the campaign is called the Legacy Unrecouped Balance Program, where the company will no longer apply existing unrecouped balances to artists and participating earnings generated on or after January 1st, 2021 for eligible artists and participants globally who signed to Sony Music Entertainment prior to the year 2000 and have not received an <clears throat> advance from the year 2000 forward. Hold on. So they're basically wiping debt from. Yes. That's interesting. That's very interesting because there's a lot of one thing I did not realize before I started diving deep into this, how many artists are in debt to record companies. <laughs> so many. Um, but I mean, so what they said, 2000. So that goes back quite some time. That's very interesting. I'd like to read in, in up on that some more. Um, so for those. Uh, unrecouped balances are the money owed to the label by artists whose earnings were less than the amount of recoupable expenses extended by the company, mm. which customarily included a signing advance, marketing, quote unquote, breakage and other expenses. Yeah, I read something like 15 percent of artists actually make a profit on a record label. And those 15 percent that break big basically are paying for the other artists. Mm. Um and so a lot of artists, as a result, end up in debt, you know, because they take that advance um, or their record contract includes a bunch of, as you just stated, recoupables, um, <laughs> most notably New Edition um, and that New Edition movie. But, yeah, and a lot of them basically end up owing after everything is said and done. I mean, like, I think New Edition ended up getting something and Sync ended up getting something. Some record, some artists end up owing they're like oh yeah you spent so much <laughs> you actually need to pay us so yeah here's your bill <laughs> that's insane good for sony though good for them um so uh they had a similar thing in 2018 after they sold 768 million dollars in spotify shares distributing 250 million to its artists without allocating them to individual artists unrecouped balance, um, which is what Warner Music actually did. Yeah. And that actually, so that actually came up in that Billy Corgan video that we played, how all these record companies essentially bought, um, bought stock or bought shares into these streaming services um, for a smaller cut. <laughs> so some of that stuff is coming to roost here, it seems. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so it, that is also being applied to their publishing company. Uh, so that was a separate thing. So for the songwriters, yeah, their their debts will also be waived. Can't tell us up on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she can start recording these songs. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's interesting, and we'll see how that how that turns out. Uh, we're going to do here. We're going to take a short break and get to Ben's earworm of the week. All right. So this is from a band called Shotgun Writer. I have no clue how big they are. I was just looking for a cover of Steady As She Goes by um, the <laughs> by Rankin the Tours. Yeah. And I found one actually by Fits and the Tantrums, which is actually pretty good. But this is not a cover, but it ended up being really good. It's called Steady As She Goes. 
Uh, it's kind of a it's a country tune. It's 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 really good. I like it. All right, so steady as she goes by Shotgun Writer, and we'll be right back. If it'll play, <laughs> let's try that again. <laughs> there we go. That is Steady As She Goes by Shotgun Rider. And you can find that on our BTT YHT Earworms playlist right now on Spotify. Oh. Oh, that's what you heard. Yeah. My bad. What was that? I had the Twitch stream up as well. Ah, okay. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to mute that. Okay, <laughs> that won't happen anymore. So if that came off on the podcast, uh, just listen to the song on Spotify so you'll know what it sounds like. It won't sound so weird. They're a great so. band. It's that, it's that Texas country, which is somehow better, I guess. I don't know. It's a little bit bigger. <laughs> All right. Oh, God, I just got <laughs> <laughs> So that is um, – uh, we, well, we started this particular episode – with the song New Sensation by NXS. And on this episode, everyone, we will be discussing a documentary called Mystify Michael Hutchins about 
the NXS frontman, Michael Hutchins. And of course, they made a special background for it. So there you go. <laughs> I did not know that that was a song by them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know. That's why I think I texted you demystify Michael Hutchins because I just didn't know. And then I was like, whoops. I was like, I hope you found it. It's too late now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't realize that was a song. Um, yeah. I didn't know as much yeah. about them as I thought, which I knew I didn't know a lot, but I knew even less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting. He He's a very interesting person. Yeah. Was, I should say. Uh, just real quick, Milwaukee's up six with 57 seconds left. Break this is what's crazy. Heart. Giannis has 49, right? He shot 16 of 17 from the free throw line. So I guess, do you keep counting then? Like, or is that helping? Or like, <laughs> well, no. It, well, they're in Milwaukee, so they're like quiet. Oh, they're not, okay, I was gonna say like they're gonna have to up his field goal rating on 2K22, <laughs> which the new features, if you're a fan, have come out today. Um, you can go check them out. Looking. See what's coming. It's going to be awesome. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's get back to this documentary. <laughs> um, so um, it runs about 102 minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of a, like you said, it might it was a little bit of confusing watch at first. So I had to get I had to get my bearings as well, because there um, as a documentary, there are no. There was, there's no narration, but also like the people that were interviewed were not on camera, so it's all footage. <laughs> it's all footage that you see, but then you'll hear, you know, someone's voice as far as like getting the story told. Um, so um, I'll, I'll start with you, Matt. Like, um, Benjamin, you're a fan of NXS. How did you get into them? Oh, my sister, my sister Carrie. She is. <laughs> obsessed with them she was all about michael hutchins so i i grew up because my dad ended up liking them too um so i grew up just listening to it from as far back as i can remember and so uh, i kind of grew a bigger appreciation for them than i already had when i watched uh they re- they released that lit or live baby live or live baby live however you want it. they even make a joke about that in the, in the show <laughs> uh when they released it to theaters i went and saw it like i guess it was February of 2020, something like that. But uh, yeah, my sister told me about that, so I went and and like watching that just blew me away. How amazing they were live because mm-hmm. I'd never seen live footage before. So uh, yeah, but either way, yeah, I, I've grown up with NXS in my life. <laughs> Was that the concert you were talking to me about that you said they just released not too long ago? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nice. Okay, I have to check that out then. I mean, all the footage yeah, I, I think saw they released from this was it, good. Yeah, they re- they released it on tape, like, I think close to when it happened. What was it, 1985, I think? Because I think the big deal was it was right after Live Aid at, at Wembley Stadium. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. And, uh, yeah, they released it on tape, and then they you know, remastered it for, like, 4K or 8K or whatever the fuck now. <laughs> and then <laughs> released it to theaters for a night, and then now you can buy it, so. All right, cool. Um... Did you watch it? You have a 4K TV, don't you? Yeah. Oh, I bought it as soon as I could. <laughs> <laughs> I it. it was so good. 
I, I guess that's well. No, I can't check it out this weekend. I'm gonna be doing stuff. But smooching it with. Uh, oh yeah, what's his face, Aaron? Oh yeah, Aaron Lewis. Not Aaron. Yeah, Aaron Lewis <laughs> and the rest of the crew. That's his name, right, Aaron Lewis? Why am yeah, I forgetting? Right? We got it. Yeah, Aaron Lewis. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Up in Nashville, <laughs> Nattyville. <laughs> Greg's like, what the fuck? <laughs> albeit the albeit FGL, the FGL bar. You know who the Florida Georgia Line bar? They own a bar in Nashville. Oh, I'm not surprised FGL they bar. own a bar, but yeah. I I didn't know they did. Yeah, it's called like FGL uh, FGL House. Yeah, it looks nice. Um, now don't get me wrong, it looks very nice, but um, I was like, it'll be you know probably like overrated and unfulfilling. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but it'll look nice. But um, I digress. But no, yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna check that out then because the live footage I saw just in this documentary was good enough to to make me more interested to learn about them as a band beyond just what I know, my limited knowledge. Yeah. All right. Um, well, as with any uh, film. Um, you got notes. I got some notes. <laughs> so um, I had read this and I they didn't go into much depth uh, on it. Um, but. Michael grew up a little bit in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I had read that before, and they didn't go into like, okay, how did he end up there? <laughs> <laughs> but that was interesting for me. Um, Wasn't so, it his dad for his work? I think so. What did his dad? I think that's do what again? I. He was like some businessman, right? And he got and he moved around a lot. I yeah. Thought. Yeah, because he would he would go he would go yeah would he would have to travel for weeks at a time. Yeah. I think they said. Um. So, uh, it was uh the Ferris's father saying that you know would kind of laugh when Michael would say he wanted to write songs or 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 do music. Um, you know they I guess it wasn't. At the beginning, it wasn't a whole lot about his childhood, it, so it didn't seem like it was going to be. It was kind of in chronological order, but not exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, his father was a, a businessman. They weren't specific. No. <laughs> and his his mom was a, a makeup artist. Yeah, I didn't um, think they were very. It didn't feel like they were terribly specific about his early life, other than yeah. that. Oh yeah, he got bit by the bug early, and you could just kind of tell. But then they're like, "But he was also shy." I'm like, "All right, which which was it?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I wrote a, a couple of quotes because they talked about, um, I think kind of a, uh, I guess a device they used to tell his story were his girlfriends. Okay, so <laughs> you felt that too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was kind of like where he was in his life, you know, okay. And then he fell in love with this woman or mm-hmm. then he was with this woman. So the first girlfriend they mentioned was Ananda. And <laughs> uh, and <laughs> she was with somebody, like she had a boyfriend at the time when they met. Yeah. And then she's like, and then... I was just with Michael. What what is that? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> uh, so is, was Michael Mister Steal your girl, or was he? Well, I mean, or did he just have that that um, 
even though he was like, you know, they talk about that. He was, you know, he was shy and, you know, the, the, the rock God thing was just something that was on stage. There was the, like I said, there was an aura, you know, or something about him that, that attracted people to him. It's probably the hair. But then I mean, it's nice <laughs> he's always pushing out of his face, you know, like, oh, look at me. <laughs> but then when they talked about him cutting his hair and then people were like, what yeah, the, didn't look one of the guys said, like, he told his wife, like, put your credit cards away because we're done. <laughs> or something like that. So he cut his hair and he was on TV not looking his most attractive. Like, geez, that's cold. Yeah, Milwaukee's about to win. But anyway, um. So, uh, yeah, she just said, I was, I was just with my, I was, then I was with Michael one day, all of a sudden. And I guess maybe it was because him being young or, or what, but she would say like, when she would tell him, I love you. And he would say, I don't know what love is. Yeah. That was a little weird. And Hmm. I think by the end I think he realizes it, what love is, or he, you know, feels that in his mind that kind of drove him to, um, to what he did. Mm-hmm. So, um, I wanted to ask you, I'll start with you, Matt, when people talked about, you know, his aura or star quality, what do you think that is? Uh, or how I mean, do you think he has it? I mean, it's just like, charisma like he's just he knows how to be likable to me it's really all it is is like i never really thought he was never he was never not smiling Mm. and he was always like engaging to me so like even even with the band like when i i I go back to this this live show again it's like he's not just a front man standing there like singing to the people like he's walking around the whole stage like hanging on like the guitar player the piano player like he's hanging he's doing like this thing he's just like that guy that like everyone likes he's likable he he's there for everyone he's doing front man stuff <laughs> <laughs> being a good front man I yeah agree. and to me it, it was like watching that on stage and then watching this documentary and seeing like the photos of them when they're just like hanging out in green rooms or whatever it's like he looks like the same dude like this is just him mm-hmm. like he's not putting it on for the show is like he's just genuinely a nice fun dude to be around. That's what I the vibe I got. Uh Ben, what what about you? What did you what what do you see in his aura or where it makes what gives him that star quality? No, everything Matt just said. So, he's always seems happy, seems approachable. Um he is kind of like the uh god, what is it? There's the there's something like Mary, like we just like the way that Mary makes us feel. Like, I imagine if you're around Michael Hutchins, you like the way he makes you feel because even though he's, you know, at that time, one of the most famous, you know, because it's not to sound like an old fart, when rock was still a thing. (laughs) And like, if you're the lead singer of of a huge band, like that means something. Um, And even though he's the lead singer of one of the biggest bands internationally in the world, he still seems like he's approachable. Like he shouldn't be approachable. He 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 shouldn't. Like everything says, like yeah, it should be impossible to get the ear of Michael Hutchins, but like he still seems like he'd sit down and and talk with you. 
Yeah, there didn't seem to be like an ego yeah. hanging around. And I imagine that makes people feel like you feel good. Like, oh man, yeah. Michael Hutchins. You know, like who knows? And they said he could probably be like, I don't know who this bloke is. But like like in the moment when you're talking to him, he's like really cool and he talks, he probably remembers your name. He like brings up like things like philosophy. So like he's you know, he's like he's smart and he's you know, he's all these things. So yeah. I think that and I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that came from because he's a shy person. So, you know, maybe he's naturally an introvert. Um, it probably just comes from maybe a desire to make people happy, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because if you're if you're shy, you know, and I can and I guess just speaking as a person who grew up, I'm not as shy as I was. I was very shy as a kid. You just want people to essentially just trying to impress people so that they like you and so that you don't think that they think anything bad about you. God knows I'm not Michael Hutchins, but, you know, as from one shy person to another, I found a lot of that interesting, especially his comment about how glasses, how he had to get contacts and glasses. (laughs) (laughs) I could totally relate to that because being up there on the stage and not being able to see people. And then all of a sudden you can see them and he's like, holy shit, this is this got really kind of scary because now I can actually see these people. I could totally relate to that. So I, I thought that was a very interesting, a humanizing element, if you will. Um, another thing I did, like they didn't go into much depth uh, here, but <laughs> when um, the music, like, like the music he listened to growing up and his parents would have these parties Mm-hmm. And there was a song that would play that would kind of signal for the kids to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why does this sound like his parents had like key parties? <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe. I mean, what? They're in Australia. So, I mean, who knows how they do it down under. But yeah, it sounded like it was a swingers type thing. Um, when that music came on, I was like, oh, well, you got to go and close yeah. the door so that you don't hear what's going on. <laughs> um. Uh, ben, what what notes did you have? Uh, let's see here. So this was kind of because I was, like I said, having a difficult time following um, at the beginning. So uh, right before the I don't know what love is comment, which was kind of like, huh, that's crazy. Um, this was more of a question as I'm watching this and really kind of seeing him interact. Could he have what would he have been considered the Jim Morrison of that particular era? Matt, I'll have you go first. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't know enough about Jim Morrison to really make that mm-hmm. comparison. I was not a fan. Really. Nor am I. Nor was I. So yeah. I, I, to me, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't really add anything to that. Um, Not that to say that I know a lot about Jim Morrison or The Doors. I think there, there, there's some similarities there. Mm-hmm. In their um, singing style, not so much how they moved on stage, but I guess kind of their line of thinking or, or how they approach songwriting mm-hmm. um, from, you know, writing poetry or yeah. from from reading a lot, um, you know, at but you can say the same thing about um, 
I mean, not to not just because they read books, you know, not to say that because we I mean, we did an episode about synchronicity and mm-hmm. Sting be reading. Oh, yeah. So, oh, he's so reading much. all he the time. Literature, literature <laughs> teacher. He, he was a school teacher for, yeah. for a time. So it's not just that, but I guess how it made them um, how they interpreted literature or how they approach philosophy, mm-hmm. just their way of thinking is similar. Um uh, but I think the I guess just the way that they approached how they how they handled certain things or how they handled fame a little similar, but there there are clearly differences between them. Yeah, I would definitely say um, Michael Hutchins seemed happier <laughs> than yeah. than Jim Morrison on stage. Uh, I will say some of this is based on you know the look you know slim kind of the like you know the hair that doesn't really come down to their shoulder but kind of like right at their chin you know and it's kind of sort of in their face so yeah you said high and curly uh kind of curly kind of curly yeah kind of curly um but and i will say as the documentary went on i started to see some of the differences like the similarities are the i would say maybe they're their thoughts on things like philosophy and and i don't want to say the fake deep but like you know the the deepness there, I guess you could say, but I think it kind of ended there, outside of the look and the deepness, because yeah. like I I do think like in terms of like when you watch Jim Morrison on stage, I never felt like he was having a good time. <laughs> just yeah. being like it just doesn't it and, looks and like for he, for Michael yeah. it was where he found peace. Yeah, he was having <laughs> was a stage. great time <laughs> on stage. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, just but I just kind of thought about like for this generation, like, you know, who were, you know, because I God, and, I, and that's another thing, too. I didn't realize how much they existed during the 80s. I thought they were more of an early 90s band. So they definitely had a longer run than I thought. But, I you know, I think back to, you know, some of the bands that were around in the early to mid 80s. I think their first album was, what, 84. So we're looking around the mid 80s. What other bands had? serious frontman that you could take seriously you know around that time um like we taking david coverdale seriously (laughs) 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 i'm just being honest like i mean he's a great singer but like he's also up there you could say george michael was the front man for of wham yeah just two of (laughs) yeah sort of um but I, I don't know. I just never felt like neither one of them, because I mean, this is called Mystify Michael Hutchins. So, as happy as he was and how as cheerful as he was on stage, there was still that side of him where you're like, okay, that's a little, he can be a little dark or a little, you know, a little darker sometimes. Like, I'm just trying to think of like bands around that, around that era that had, you know, just a mysterious frontman. Yeah, they're, like their that. their first album was nineteen eighty. Eighty, jeez, okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're a much bigger part of the eighties than I realized. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when I thought "Need You Tonight" came out because that's totally an eighty song, but <laughs> if you just listen to it, so. Um. And that's actually that was actually my next note after the can't see the audience. Okay. Their run was longer than I realized. Yeah, you know, going from 1980 to the last album being released in '97, um, I thought it was interesting that he said. So when they talk about like when they first break big, um, he says, "I don't like goals and I don't like success. What is success?" 
So maybe he's one of those type of people. I don't know if he's being serious with these questions, if he's just asking them just to ask, or if he really is just like, what is love? What is success? Um, how how do I define these things? Do I let these things define me? You know, do I let do I let my success as the lead singer of NXS define me or do I define it? Okay. That's that's a really weird thing to think. I can't answer that question. But it's it's about how was he feeling? Maybe he feels like if he lets it define him, maybe he loses who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um like I said, I, I thought the, the device that was used uh were, were the who was the woman in his life yeah. at the time. So the first chapter was called Ananda. The second chapter, um as Giannis has been named Finals MVP, of Ooh, course. I'm kidding. I love um, <laughs> <laughs> the second chapter was called Michelle. And Michelle uh, was, compared to all the other women that are mentioned, that she was the love of his life. But I like, why couldn't it work with her? Um, because that everyone saw when he was with her, like, I think that was the, she was the only one to where when people saw them together, Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, they're going to be together forever. They're, they're great together. I'm trying to remember her. Um, there's there a lot of women, (laughs) (laughs) right? It was right when they started going on tour, uh, in the, like night, I think they said nineteen eighty two to nineteen eighty seven. Okay, I remember her now. Okay, okay. So, um, yeah, he couldn't. They couldn't make it work. Just what? Why do you think that is? From from what you remember from the film, uh, Matt, if you if you know, why do you think it couldn't work between them? I feel like from what I remember, wasn't it? Was she not a fan of the traveling? Like she couldn't travel with him, and the separation was too well, hard. Yeah. I I think that and was like, part I of it. She, like... she hated going. She didn't want to go on the road with them, and yeah. he couldn't handle being apart from her. Yeah, I mean, to me, because of he seems strikes me as the guy that like when he has feelings, like they overcome him. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So he falls hard. Be, he falls hard. Yeah. So to be at least, but and then maybe I don't remember who. Maybe if they I mean, didn't even tell who brought it up, but it's like. Maybe he was just became so aware that he can't function when they're away or like it, it affects him too much that like he had the wherewithal to know like, all right, we should just stop this because it's just mm. going to kill us mm. or him. Like it's going to kill me to not be with you as much as I want to be. Like that's kind of what I felt about it. Yeah. From what that, I remember. Cause they, then they, and um, if I remember correctly, they insinuated that tear, never tear us apart was about her. Yeah. Like who do you want, mm. who do you want to never be torn apart from? And he's like, I don't just write these songs just because, you know, so, uh, yeah, that it's it was that song is clearly about her. <laughs> um, I had the same note you had like he was never comfortable with the idea of success, mm-hmm. um, and it made me think also of of Amy Winehouse. Ooh, yeah. As far as dealing with fame, um, she had a lot of other demons. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that that never went away with him it kind of came and went yeah so yeah my note there at this point so after the what a success and from some of the other things he said and did I should he have quit while he was ahead like should he have quit and just could he I don't know could he have done it Mm. 
because eventually, so of course, with a success, I don't want to be, I don't want the band to define me. I want to define the band. I think eventually he, the band came to define him because he started to get lost in basically just being Michael Hutchins. He made this, he was shy. So he makes this bigger than life persona and it consumes him. And at what point does he not know who is Michael Hutchins of in excess and who is Michael Hutchins of New South Wales? You know, it's like, at what point it's kind of like, at what point do I stop pretending? <laughs> yeah. You know, with, they said like what, 10 interviews, and then he does a show. Like, you know, that's, I, I can't imagine not knowing who you are. Maybe that's why he didn't want goals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what do you, Matt? What do you think of that? Per of that, of his approach to that, because I think he said he had like five, six different Michaels that he would portray just to get himself through interviews or through the day or just to or to get to the show. Um, what do you think of someone that? Um, what's the word? Because I, I just read it on something. Car- compartmentalize. Yeah, he talked mm. about that a lot too. Uh, I mean, compartmentalizing is a good way to deal with shit, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would. It, it's draining, though. You know, like I feel like we all do it uh, on a very small scale in our lives because, like, you know, work, Matt, and then social, Matt, kind of deal. You know, yeah. it's not the same guy. Nope. <laughs> but to have to do that for to have to do that just to get through the day, like multiple times. That's got to be so draining and just, man, I, I couldn't imagine I'm like having to do that to like do it that different, that many different ways. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, that, that's gotta be exhausting. And, you know, yeah. I, I didn't know if it was going to happen, but I felt like when, you know, when those things were coming up in the documentary, like, okay, and then he gets hospitalized for exhaustion because I feel like that's mm-hmm. what the, and whenever you hear an artist have to deal with that, where they're hospitalized for exhaustion, like whatever they've had to do to get through the day or to their show or through these interviews, it's not something, it's not physical exertion. It's just, all it's all mental but it it just takes a lot of yeah. mental yeah. energy out of you yeah. and um strangely that didn't come up i thought that was going to come up in the story because that that's look that looked like where it was headed yeah um i got a quote here actually so yeah. you know in talking about that to compartmentalize so um quoting here from the rolling stone article that talks about this documentary um, when the band's album Kick became a sex tuple platinum mega hit, Hutchins had to get over his innate shyness quickly and figure out a way to navigate all of the attention. From the fantasy of reality, this is quoting Michael, uh, from the fantasy of reality, oh, this is actually happening. That would be really tricky because I wasn't that comfortable with it, Hutchins says of his fame in one scene. So I sort of invented that big persona with the necessity of getting through it. I enjoyed it, but I had to create something that kept me inside as well. So, I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, like who do, did we ever even really see the real Michael Hutchins? Maybe in some of those, you know, the home videos. Cause he, yeah. he, he was kind of voyeur-tastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, maybe that was as, that was the real Michael Hutchins. So, yeah. 
Um, so the they, I guess the the documentary focuses more on his life and kind of his mindset or what he was going through, mm-hmm. not necessarily the music itself. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, we we're aware of those songs, um, but some I can't remember who said it. But with the when it came to the time where he made the Max Q uh, album, uh, someone said it doesn't pop music doesn't allow for emotional intensity, and he was looking for that primal scream. Mm. to put in his music and that's where the max q project comes in um i had not listened to any max q uh i don't think any of it's on spotify the album that I'd was made i've never even heard of it uh, matt had you listened to max q at all familiar with it no that was uh another new thing i learned watching that documentary <laughs> i had no idea so uh with the I find like with that, I wasn't surprised that there was a side project because um, quite a number of artists that were big starting off in the 80s had side projects, you know, like Duran Duran had um, three of them that were in started a project called Arcadia and then the other two formed Power Station, Station. <laughs> with Robert Palmer. <laughs> Um, the English beat split off two of them form general public and the other three got a lead singer and formed fine young cannibals. Really? Didn't know that. So, but that they, they had broken up, but it was still, I kind of see that as like, that was a, um, I think I, I would look at the Max Q thing is similar to Duran Duran because that was still in the middle of their, yeah. of their heyday uh, to have those side projects. Um, well, but, I mean, he wanted to do an, a solo album originally and they yeah. said, no, he, that'll tear apart the band. So, and I think he was getting that from not just from the label, but from his own bandmates. Like yeah. he didn't want to feel like he was abandoning, abandoning them. But I think his decision to still do the Max Q project, but mm-hmm. not as a solo project, is they kind of brought it up later, but I'm sure he thought about his brother, his younger brother. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Because uh, they, they talked about where he, um, I guess him and his brother were going to, were they going to America? But then the mom left Rhett behind and just took Michael. Michael, yeah. And it broke Rhett's heart, apparently, yeah. <laughs> And Rhett had to deal with these Dala nannies <laughs> um, who got him into drugs. So it's like if he actually came with Michael, would he have be- would he have not become a drug addict like he actually became? Mm-hmm. But I think he thought about that, you know, when not abandoning the band yeah. because those are they're all friends. Yeah. Are there three brothers in the group, or is it two? I think it's just the two. Okay, but they all they grew up together essentially. Yeah. Um. 
what did you think of the of uh, <laughs> the manager's idea of, hey, let's let's pretend this isn't anything to do with Michael Hutchins, this album. <laughs> that's like let's make it not about Michael Hutchins. Um, so let's hide his face or I think the album cover was a, a cut up of the different faces of the people working on it. That was that confused I think it was me a, a smart bit. Idea. You yeah. said it wasn't smart. I mean, I, I no, I think it was. I mean, I, you know, I was a, a baby in the '80s, so I don't know what the music business was like, other than what I could imagine. But I would think, with how much people were consuming these big bands like Duran Duran and um, and Excess and all that, that to see that person they know as something different would mm. could really just screw everything up like royally it's a good point especially without something like social media yeah to yeah. kind of help drive the narrative because you think yeah, about you today, only see one part of them up until yeah. then you're like oh what's this max q like yeah and i imagine that be confused and, and i'm trying to think because i want to think something like that happened to me like back in like the 80s or 90s where you know, I was conf- like, I saw, like, I knew that this one person was in my favorite band, but then I saw them doing something else. As a matter of fact, I think it might have been Temple of the Dog. <laughs> really? <laughs> and Pearl Jam, because I didn't, my, my, you know, my knowledge of them was still kind of surface level. So, like, yeah. I'm watching, I'm seeing Temple of the Dog on, like, VH1. I'm like, whoa what is the guy from Pearl Jam and the guy from Soundgarden doing? <laughs> Did they form a new band together? What's going on? You can just simply, you can explain it away. I mean, Silk Sonic, you, you take that group, for instance, yeah. with Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. We know that that's not just some offshoot or whatever, and, and we're not confused because it's been clearly explained. So they, that doesn't make a lot of sense. That's a good point, Matt. Back in the 80s, we would have just been like, huh? Michael yeah. Hutchins do what? Like, <laughs> so what you're saying is, if we had social media at the time, Chris Gaines would have worked. Oh goodness, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. I and I do think, just kind of off topic there, I do think Michael Hutchins would have been ready made for social media. Yeah, good looking dude. Like he's, well, I think he might have he stayed off of social media think? like Kurt Cobain. He would have stayed think? off social media, or he would have like, one yeah. post, one Instagram post. But or it would be of whoever, whatever woman he's, he's dating at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so he'd be all in Kylie Minogue's yes. <laughs> on her feed, like hiding, yeah. like <laughs> it's like me and Michael, <laughs> and he's like. No. Or, you know, it could go the other way and he could have found that to be an easier outlet for And that's what I'm thinking. Max Q. Oh, I wasn't like thinking that, that side of yeah. him. That's no, not, I mean yeah. not not essentially, you know, it wouldn't be named that, but what yeah. you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. No, no, I I got you. Um So yeah, the So with that, with the Max Q project I guess um, the co-manager playing the album for the label was not part of the plan because uh, Chris wanted to basically hide this project. Okay, so that, is that what was happening? Okay, yeah, it okay. seemed like he wanted to just keep it a mystery so people wouldn't get confused. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it it mostly backfired or or it, it 
like they said, ruined the professional relationship mm-hmm. with uh, Michael and Chris. Um, but they was still their manager for like another five, six years after that. So maybe just didn't talk to him. I don't know. I, I don't know what that might have actually meant. Um, so with, um, so now we're at the, uh, Kylie chapter. It's my favorite chapter. <laughs> they were my, they Which were my favorite. I had, n- I had no idea that they dated me either up until I watched this. I, no I, I knew they had dated, but I thought it was for longer than what it was. Their relationship. I thought they were still together adorable. when he died. Oh, for real? Yeah. Yeah, their, their their relationship was just adorable. Like the faxes and taking trips <laughs> to like the south of France. I, lo- I loved it. Everything about it, I loved it. And like it was it 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 was one of those relationships that like just didn't seem like it should have worked, but it yeah. did, you know. It came at a time where she's trying to this was still stock Aikman, yeah, Aiken Waterman, <laughs> Kylie, and you know we're all you know what their songs sound like. You know it when you hear it. Yeah. <laughs> and she was trying to break away from that, and she had the, the you know the squeaky clean image. She is the, the pop princess of Australia. Yeah. Um, she's a superstar, and for her to date. Michael Hutchins is like the worst idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that the the worst person she could date. She should be dating whoever whoever that other dude was that was she was on the TV show with and they did a lot of duets. Yeah. I can't remember his name right now. Like I'm trying to think of like a person like Britney Spears dating like John Davis or something. Like it just it would just be weird. You're just like what the hell like how does that even work? Or when Jessica Simpson dated Billy Corgan, like that was odd. Like that was what? fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, and apparently, like, yeah. they really like got along well. I don't know why they broke up, but like, it, yeah, because they... Billy Corgan's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> is that for real? Why? <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, I'm I... just assuming. He's it's either arrogant. It's either that. <laughs> Or her dad listened to one of their songs, and he's like, no. <laughs> this does not uphold the values no. of a Southern Texas family. Let me stop. But, um, yeah, they that, like it just seemed weird. Like, it was like, Billy Corgan and Jessica Simpson? What? Like, that's who you rebound with? Okay. But, like, yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. When I saw that, though, it was just kind of like it made, in the moment, it made sense to me just because I liked them together so so much. I mean, it was but I mean, it was doomed from the start, kind of like Dan and Blair on Gossip Girl. Like it just wasn't going to happen. Okay, for one, happen. no, that's a not Dan and Blair. Dan and um, yeah, Blair. Yeah, Dan and Blair. That's my favorite couple on the show. They should have. Blair was good for Dan. Dan was good for Blair. I liked it. He should not have ended up with Serena. That I will die on that mountain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I think the 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 relationship was doomed because. They're they were both at the top of their game, mm-hmm. and, and these are two huge superstars. And you know, if you if people look at it, the perspective of what was happening at that time, um, it, it was almost impossible. It's, it's interesting that they even got together in the first place. Yeah, uh, just because of their crazy schedules and um, 
I know people who do pop music, they're on a insane schedule yeah. as far as mm-hmm. any promotion, any touring, any of that. So um, I think they they tried to make it work and um, but it was just they were apart too much. Yeah. But when they were together, it was great. Yep. But just apart too much. Um, uh, the book, Perfumer, the story of a murderer or something like that, where they describe the book of the the guy who <laughs> he creates these perfumes, but he's like killing virgins to steal their smell or something. <laughs> That was the that is such a weird story. That probably was one of the things where I was just like, "Huh, what is what's going on here?" I I might have to watch again to understand. Like, how did that fit in with the rest of the? Yeah, there were every now and then there were things that I was like, "This doesn't quite fit." Mm. Yeah. So I did. I do think so. The story, the I guess what the lie or whatever he told her. Oh, how do you take care of your voice? I use these magic drops. <laughs> that helped my voice and she believed him um, but I guess hey without the internet you just, <laughs> you just have to trust people um, I think also we're very fortunate that he loved having a video camera yeah. around um, just so much filming uh, it looked like yeah. at one point he was filming Kylie naked which I don't know he was. how she felt yeah, about he was. that <laughs> He was. He I remember it looked was. like she was into it, wasn't he? Wasn't she? Didn't yeah. she kind of pose yeah. for it? Okay, I was. I, I'm not gonna lie. Like I got really heavy Pam and Tommy vibes. <laughs> like there's some stuff we ain't gonna see on this documentary. <laughs> if there were Pam and Tommy type footage, it we'll never out. see that. <laughs> oh, you don't think so? I think we'll never see it. Well, I mean, how I think that came out because uh, a housekeeper. Yeah, a housekeeper something. like stole oh, it out of their safe or something. Yeah, probably got a nice little payday for that too. So, if there are any housekeepers out there at the Minogue residence, <laughs> you see a tape. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like I mentioned before, like the relationship that Michael had with his mom and his brother, uh, and kind of how it was when he went with his mom and left his little brother behind mm-hmm. uh, or even with him basically being raised by his sister um, because his mom was off working uh, for weeks at a time and dad's off working for weeks at a time. I think that that affected how he connects with people on such a deep level because he has the charisma. He has this magnetic personality mm-hmm. off stage, even though he's such a shy person, but he can still connect with people on that level. Mm-hmm. And I think the relationship he had with them uh, kind of fed into his personality as far as how he connects with people off stage mm. uh, to where it was, it was important to form these relationships or to, to latch onto these people you might consider him clingy or in a way, or, or I don't know, but just to make sure that someone is there with him, like someone said before, he hated to be alone mm-hmm. um, to kind of deal, I guess to deal with some things he hated being by himself. 
because it, I don't know, maybe he would, he would overthink things or he would whip himself into a frenzy or anything like that that could happen. Um, and that's kind of how this all yeah. ended. But before we get to that, <laughs> so after the Kylie chapter is the Helena Christensen chapter. <laughs> that one felt the most rock star. Like yeah. you're dating a supermodel, that's rock star. Yeah. This is shortly after the Wicked Game video. Yeah. Um, her Brits is talking to her. The I do want you to talk to this guy. And it's Mike. Come on. <laughs> but um, I agree. That is that is um, Axel Rose and Stephanie Seymour. That's mm-hmm. Dave Coverdale and Tony Katayan. Mm-hmm. It, it looked like that kind of relationship. Yeah. What do you think, Matt? Yeah. I mean, it's the best way to put it. It's the most rock star. <laughs> it really is. Like, I'm going to date the hottest model at this moment. <laughs> yeah. And not to mention, like, I mean, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. But when the footage I remember from the two of them, like, I feel like he, he, it was the most disinterested he looked. <laughs> like, he was purely doing it for the, that reason. The I don't star. know. I mean, I could maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but like, like this is who I should be with, I, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, he's playing the role at that point. But at the, like, with it's, you could get lost in all the other footage because you don't see all the stuff is done through voiceover and you're seeing footage. Yeah. But, yeah. After Michael broke up with Michelle, he would still call her and talk to her about his other relationships. Yeah. Which I imagine had to be bothersome <laughs> to the people he was with. If they knew. I'm sure they knew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He probably talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he... I, I think that part of it is, you know, with breaking up with Michelle and, and other other women he's dated, this is he's a rock star. So he should be dating who rock stars would date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe that that went into it. But just like with all the other women, Helena loved him. Right. What's not to love. Well, right <laughs> up until the erratic behavior. Yeah. The oh, with the yeah. accident. So it's funny, I was on Reddit, and I was reading up on just Michael Hutchins in general, and someone had a picture of them together, and someone said that apparently they were going to last until that head injury, and he started, and and then like right after I read that is when it happened in the the documentary, they're addressing the documentary, Um, and so my note is, did he have CTE? I don't know. Um, From what I read, he and I think this is also I, I in the think doc. with the symptoms. Well, it wasn't it wasn't a deterrent because like his his the injury had gotten worse over time. He had just not told anyone. Yeah. So it is possible. Um, I guess I'm just pairing that with, you know, those, you know, especially with the athletes who've had CTE that we know about the loss of taste or smell wasn't really talked about mm. was it it wasn't mentioned at least i don't know if that is that can be a symptom yeah uh but it's possible because if it was such a 
traumatic injury that you lose those two senses and you know mood swings yeah, yeah. i mean it, it it was it was a brain injury <clears throat> so it's i to me i think it's possible um and that's immediately me that was the that was my the, mind went that was the that was the turning point of the the turning point of his life because mm-hmm. who knows what you know I, I yeah, would he have married Helena and started a family? Possibly. Um uh, but yeah, definitely things changed with the accident. Yeah. But he definitely did look I agree, Matt, he did look disinterested. Even in the picture that they showed of him, he was looking away from her. <laughs> so it's just like it maybe that was just like this is what you do. You become a rock star and you date a supermodel and you know you wear tight pants. Like that's what you do. <laughs> Um was uh okay, so the last chapter is the Paula Yates chapter. Yes. Um, like I said, I thought he was still with Kalia Minogue when he died. Uh, but then I I read about Paula Yates and um <clears throat> I don't know, it was she the sunshine because <laughs> Uh, I mean, not not to make fun of her because she she's passed away too. Oh, but, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, she was with Bob Geldof, who I don't know, maybe at the time, or or maybe because he's he's such a uh, an important figure in the UK music industry, at least at the time, mm-hmm. such an important figure that he's portrayed as this this nice man this humanitarian because mm-hmm. live aid happens because of him yeah and he he's wants to do all this charity work he's going to africa feeding the children all that stuff and he so he had and he has this family um with a celebrity like what paula yates her being a, a tv host and everything so they were like they said one of the 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 biggest showbiz couple in the uk um but it's maybe like maybe the sign was I don't maybe I she he maybe Bob Geldof thought nothing of it even though when she had the picture of Michael on the fridge or wherever <laughs> and, and she wrote what she wrote right dog love or something like that I don't remember I don't remember she wrote something um. And then Bob Geldof wrote fucker on top of the picture. <laughs> so I did. So, I was trying to determine was were like they together, she, Bob? They're like a couple, and that's what they split, and that's why Bob he and Paula? The, yeah. Paula basically left Bob for Michael. That's what I thought. Okay. I was trying to make sure I understood that correctly um, to your comment of Mr. Steal Your Girl. Like, yes, I think he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and your kids. It looks like too. <laughs> yeah, because he, he he loved the kids too. Yeah. He's like, this is, and this was, I don't know if it's something that he thought he wanted or just something he genuinely wanted was his own family. Yeah. And now he has that opportunity by being with Paula. He's telling people he's never loved anybody like he's love like he loves her. Mm-hmm. He loves the kids. Tiger Lily. <laughs> he has he has a child with her. Yeah. And. Then suddenly, uh, Bob wants Bob wants the kids, 
Uh, <laughs> once the, the how's that song go again? Um, the kids, the, the keys, the dog. I want it all. Yeah. <laughs> the house, the yeah. car, the kids, and the dog. I want it all. <laughs> so Bob's coming for everything. Yeah. Um, and maybe it did. It it didn't. I from what I've read and compared to this documentary, from what I've read, it seemed like uh, Paula took Michael down this terrible path of drug abuse and and all this stuff. But in the documentary, uh, just something that kind of it seemed like Michael did that to her mm-hmm. because they said she was a, a teetotaler. Yeah, what is that exactly? Uh, I've heard the term, but don't, I can't. Don't smoke. Okay. Don't drink. Like Josh. Oh, okay. Oh, like a straight, straight edge. edge. Straight edge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. Another word for that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, he's coming for the, um, he's coming for custody of the kids, and that would include Tiger Lily, which is, I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Like biologically, that's not your kid. Yeah, that's the so UK. you can't you can't take that kid, can you? But it's the UK, different rules, yeah. I suppose. Um, but that was kind of the, um, kind of the 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 tipping point to where he didn't want to lose his daughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't he didn't want to move to the UK just so he could see her or. You know, and NXS is trying to make a, a comeback of sorts, you know, especially after um, after Noel Gallagher's comment. <laughs> such, a, such an asshole thing to say. <laughs> like, that wasn't even necessary, No, man. it really wasn't. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I made this note. It's like, it like him having the child nearly cured his depression. Mm. Um, because he, I don't know. It, it's part of so. I guess in in his mind or in his heart, that's something he always wanted was to have a child to be a father. Yeah. And he was with someone he loved at the time. Um, and I wrote that like later, and we mentioned this already that he falls hard. Yeah. He falls in love. It mm-hmm. falls hard. His whole heart. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I wrote, Noel Gallagher is an asshole. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the um, the ending of the documentary, it's, I mean, for people who know who he is, you know how this is going to end. But it seemed like it happened so fast. Yeah. Because they're in rehearsals to go on tour. They were making a new album. And then, you know, he gets the news about the court case. It's been delayed. And he's calling people. Some people are answering. Some people are not. And when the last people he called was Michelle. Mm-hmm. So it came back to her. And... uh then it's like he there was an interview or like someone stopped him in the airport or something and or no he was talking to his dad he was talking to his dad and he was saying he felt like they were going to win and he'll be able to have the kids in Australia 
or at least get Tiger Lily to Australia. And when the court case is delayed, it's like, okay, now I don't know. Mm-hmm. And now it's, he falls into a great despair, basically. And um, calls Michelle to come visit him. And then it's like all those phone calls over the course of like four or five hours. And then it's found that he's hung himself in his hotel room. And and like all the whole sequence of that was so fast. Yeah. You know, there's really not. um, I mean, I don't know if there was like context that needed to be added to it or um, there was one there to be more information. Um, what, what do you think about that sequence, Matt? Well, it was a total. Uh, well, yeah, it, it did happen incredibly fast. I wasn't I wasn't ready for it, but, you know, I knew he died. Yeah. The problem uh, for me that made this such a shock to me was, uh, did you, you guys know about the rumor of how he died, right? Mm-mm. Oh, the oh, autoerotic so, asphyxiation? Uh, yes. Yeah. So oh, as yeah. long as I knew, up until watching this documentary, he was a joke of a dude that died trying to do that. Like, that's what I always heard is how he died. I had no idea about his personal life like this. So when I watched all of that and then it happened so fast, I was like, holy shit. Like, it took me by surprise as to how it actually transpired than from the stupid rumor. Hmm. So it was a total shock to me of how that all went down. Yeah. And yeah, it was just like, felt like it was super fast. Yeah, and and at that, then the documentary is over, and it's like yeah. credits roll. You know, you know, no one talks about the about a funeral or how the band members reacted, how his dad reacted, like nothing, none of that. It's um, it's over. Yeah, and I really, I have a hard time understanding that choice. Um. Because, you know, the stories being told, like all these people are talking about, you know, their experiences with him. And in that moment, um, or maybe people didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, talking about it earlier, I hated to be alone. He died basically alone mm-hmm. um, because they talked about how Paula was trying to break up with him and he didn't want to do that. Or, um, and then the, the, maybe it's kind it's kind of a chapter, the Aaron chapter, whoever that girl yeah, was. Who is she? <laughs> yeah. They just, it was like, uh, it's some girl. Um, <laughs> yeah, they really did not. <laughs> that's how, they, that's yeah. how it looked. It was like, and you know, yeah. that was really like, kind of like, like, the, like throw um, in. the prologue or something like <laughs> yeah. or the epilogue or something. So, um, yeah, it just. It just ends, and um, trying to find the okay. So yeah, it just ends, and that's it. So uh, do you think there is there more that could have been said, more that could have been added? Because they have the little blurb at the end that. Um, the the medical examiner determined that, you know, he died by hanging. And then they found that the brain injury, 
that he had what became became worse mm-hmm. over time. Um, do you? I don't know if they could have done it without sounding preachy. Yeah. Especially with what we know about brain injuries as of late, people probably because I'm not even gonna lie. When they started kind of hinting at it, I was like, "Is this the angle?" You know, they always say every documentary has an angle. Um, is the danger of head injuries about to become the angle? It didn't, but you know, maybe people think it becomes too preachy. Maybe people think that it's too morbid if you spend too much time and it's disrespectful. I don't know, but I definitely did feel that, like you two have both kind of said, it it happened suddenly. <laughs> Um, maybe that's what they yeah. wanted you to feel because that's how it happened. Touche, you know. Yeah, touche. And if you, you know, and 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 it, if you want to see the whole documentary, is just a telling of his life. There's nothing after that. Yeah, there was some other documentary like, we oh, just watched him, too. You know? Yeah, that was just like that where it ended. It ended suddenly, and I wish I could remember what it was. But that is a good point. It could have just been, hey, this long life, and then it's done. Well, I guess yeah. what, like with our Selena episode, um, it, it was similar in that, I guess in, in that regard, like things were going so well, mm-hmm. everything's great, and then she's murdered. <laughs> so it ends like that. Yeah. Um, this one, I guess, is more abrupt because they talk about the phone calls and then you see on the screen you know, when those time calls are made yeah. and as time progressed and um, and then the little blurb at the end. Yeah. Uh, uh, the I felt like two minutes may have probably wasn't as long of him under the strobe that they were showing when those blurbs came up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, I mean, it, it was an abrupt ending. It was something that no one was really no one was really expecting it no one like saw it coming you know even michelle thought that he had gone to sleep because when she spoke to him conversation ended fine right yeah Mm um he wanted her to come by the hotel and she was saying well you you should get some sleep and just tell the guys you'll come to rehearsal later Mm -hmm. or you can't make it today just get some rest and then she came by anyway because she well he went he still wanted her to come by and then when she couldn't get to him, she thought, well, maybe he went to sleep and I'll talk to him later. Yeah. So no one was really thinking that he would hang himself yeah. at all. Um, so this, uh, this documentary came out in 2019. Uh, it was actually uh, came up because Richard Lowenstein, the director, was planning a biopic about about Michael Hudgens and I think this was after the um after the mini series uh Matt had you seen the mini series no I haven't uh it's on YouTube it's called NXS never tear us apart uh both parts are on YouTube in full but, um, <laughs> but, is it like a is it like a movie type thing like a mini series yeah, yeah. Oh, okay uh so at this 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 idea for the film came up after the miniseries and they found it was hard to find someone uh to play Michael after the this was after the miniseries had been announced so it was hard for them to 
try to get that going, essentially. So mm-hmm. it turned into a documentary. They had started working on it. Um, uh, I think he had also talked to, because he had, he had talked to Bono. Um, I mean, it probably could have been marketed that, yeah, you know, appearance by Bono, but Bono says like two things in the whole <laughs> documentary. Um, and uh, so it became that he started interviewing other, interviewing the, the family, the other band members, uh, as far as, uh, oh, and he said that during the process of the interviews, he decided to just record audio and they were in a recording studio. So there was no plan for a camera setup mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that his daughter, Tiger Lily, was one of the producers. No, she wasn't. Oh. But I know she was part of the um, the process as far as getting footage together. And uh, I guess she had, like, approval. Okay. Okay. Um, I remember the guy who made it, I think, was a friend of his. Uh, were they friends? That's at least that's what I thought I read. His name was Richard Lowenstein, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was his friend. Oh, he had direct. Yeah, he directed um, at least one of their videos. Yeah. So they they at least knew each other. So yeah. Um, any other thoughts about this particular documentary, Matt? I mean, really, it was the the big one was the the how he died thing because, like I told you, I was I just didn't know anything about the guy personally, so it kind of like the whole thing really made me appreciate everything they were doing a little bit more like because I just got to see that he was genuinely like a good dude mm-hmm. and like he really was doing this because he loved it it wasn't a ploy for money you know mm-hmm. and it was it just kind of made me appreciate everything a little more and then I did it it hurt like because I didn't know even about the head injury or anything until this documentary so it was like I kind of felt the pain with it as it was going I was like oh shit like yeah <laughs> I can see where this is going now <laughs> <laughs> I hate that I already know the ending but yeah yeah it was, uh, I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, this was, I, I, before watching documentary, I watched the trailer first and then I, they had mentioned the, the accident. So I didn't, I didn't even know about that, um, uh, as well. So, um, I don't know, I'm, I, I guess if we do it, whenever we do another documentary about a particular person, um, I don't want there to be that behind the music moment because <laughs> the last one we did about Teddy Pendergrass, there was that accident. Yeah. Um, so uh, hopefully no more. I, I'm let's, I'm want to avoid tragic figures at least for a, a happy, while. A happy story. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe if there's a Weird Al documentary out there where the Weird most Al tragic is just thing a national is the medium-sized jacuzzi. <laughs> <laughs> Man's a national treasure. That guy is, yeah. Uh, well, any any thoughts from you, Ben? Um, I wanted to hear the story about Elegantly Wasted. That is my favorite In Excess song. <laughs> and it's apparently about when him and Bono got wasted. That would have been nice to hear that story. I don't think Bono would have shared it, but that would have been cool. 
No, Bono's a good Christian boy. He's not yeah. sharing that story. I thought it wasn't he the he the largest turd. Is that what the thing was from South Park? Yeah, yeah, he's the largest <laughs> turd in the world. He's the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. How many Keurigs did he weigh? I don't remember. It's been a, I've only seen episode once. Um, but that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I I did like the the documentary overall. Um, and I like that it was focused on, on the life, uh, because, you know, I think he's, he's still a little bit of a mysterious figure mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. um, I think there's another documentary out there called the last rock star, um, or that might've just been the subtitle for the, um, For the uh, then A and E have the show biography. Yeah, I think they still mm-hmm. do. The, I I think they still do those. But I think their their subtitle for that was the last rock star or something to that effect. Um, so yeah, that will do it for our discussion on mystifying Michael Hudgens, the documentary. You can check it out on Amazon Prime if you have that. Uh, it should be included with your subscription. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, the the mini series is on Prime too, but the full thing is on YouTube. So <laughs> okay, just in case, uh, we'll get to my earworm of the week uh, throughout our run of the show. Uh, oh well, before we can get to that, happy birthday! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday for forty two minutes now. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna happy look birthday. Right- Oh, it's not your birthday yet here. <laughs> um, what are you looking up? Let's see if the where the album's up. Oh, it's, it is. I checked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there are like five Ben or Benjamin Watts. If you type there. in, oh, okay, yeah, I see it now. Warm <laughs> Georgia nights. I'm gonna post this on the 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 podcast Instagram as well. <laughs> so yeah, so um, Ben's album. Warm Georgia Nights is out right now wherever you stream your music. I don't there think it it'll is. hit you until Oh, you're able to see it, Matt? Yeah, I get to I get everything at 9. What? Okay. So yeah, it's everything at midnight for you guys. I get it at 9 for That's so weird cuz to I told to Well, I guess I don't know if I told it to <laughs> I guess I probably just said midnight eastern then cuz I thought I put local, but I probably just put eastern. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I just said I get to listen to it before you know it's the same time <laughs> it's just, it's different times um, but yeah that's not my ear room this week sorry uh, it's all good <laughs> my ear room this week I, oh I've told you before, I've told I've said throughout the run of our show that um, you know, yes I grew up listening to contemporary jazz <laughs> but then when I got into high school uh, I, I discovered a lot of music from watching MTV2 it's good stuff. Mm, so, good stuff. Uh, I was listening to my liked songs on Spotify um, because I, I liked a lot of songs. So I didn't know how the how it worked as far as like saving <laughs> songs. So this is one that I liked, and it was from a band. It's the only song I know by them. It's a band called Rival Schools. Oh, I've heard of them. And they had a song called Used for Glue. Um, yeah, don't remember that one though. So I and I remember watching the the video on on MTV two, so um, 
This is Used for Glue by Rival Schools. And we'll be right back. That is Use for Blue by Rival Schools from their album United by Fate. It's from 2001. And you can find that on our BTT YHT Earworms playlist right now. So that will uh, bring us to the end of this episode. Um, Matt, as we always say, where if you want to be found, where can people find you? On Instagram, uh, Matthew double underscore Vaughn. V-A-U-G-H-A-N. <laughs> All right. And, uh, well, you can, if you're looking on the screen, you can see where you can find us. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> or look at the show notes. Um, so, um, Again, Ben, happy birthday. Uh, happy album release. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Will this be on vinyl so Jack White can buy it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy it too. <laughs> I don't know. I thought about that. I keep saying CD and Kendra's like, it's not a CD. And I'm like, I'm old. I'm sorry. Like that's, that's what I bought as a kid. So I just say CD. At least on cassettes. I don't, I mean, I I'll, I don't know how. I know. So, I mean, I'm with DistroKid. CD Baby has an option to do that. But CD Baby also charges you by the album. So I didn't want mm. to do that. I wanted to stay with Distro Kid because it's as much as you want. Because I want to put some. I want to put out a Christmas song. <laughs> like I'm not even kidding. I'm gonna try and put out a Christmas song, and I'm gonna try to make this a yearly thing where I put out something. Nice. Like I've already started working on what would be on next year's because now I understand the process. 
you know, like at the T-Pain, I hate to keep bringing him up, but he talked about like the um, quote unquote surprise album. So there's no such thing as a surprise album. He said, there's so much that has to go. He's like, how do you think the artwork got made? Do you think they just made the artwork? He's like, it <laughs> takes like four, he's like, it takes three to four weeks minimum to get your music reviewed by like Apple Music and Spotify and all these places. He's like, everything is planned. They just want you to think it's a surprise. So I now know that it takes three months for the copyright office to approve things. I know it, you know, over a month for, I mean, like I, I got this in, at the end of June, and it just made it. They were like, four weeks is cutting it close. I was like, oh, it is? It's <laughs> 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 like, four weeks? That's a month. But, like, everyone has their approval process. Like, it takes DistroKid a few days, and it takes Apple. Like, everyone's got their approval process. I guess to make sure that you're not, like, just uploading Nazi chants or something. I don't know. But, like, so I know the process now, so I have started already because I want to do this like I don't know if it'll still it'll it'll be nine songs next year, but you know maybe four or five songs or something. But every year, like I've been wanting to do this. The technology exists for me now to do it fairly cheap, so why not? You know. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, um, that brings us to the end of the episode here. Uh, what should we end this episode with? I won't be selfish, Matt. You want to make a suggestion because I know what I want to hear, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Oh. I'm curious. Is it your song, Ben? No, it's going to be elegantly wasted. I just love. Oh, this song. I, I do. Yeah, I mean, I have. I I can't pick a pick one. I have so many I love. So I, I'm good with elegantly wasted. It's a good song. All right, AKA a night out with Bono. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it on the? It's on the last album, the um one that came out in ninety seven. I think it's I, I, well, I, I I had gone to the, the This Is In Excess playlist. Yeah, and it, it wasn't, wasn't on, there. It wasn't on it was not on Spotify for the longest. Yeah. Yeah, it was a hard one to find. Yeah. Just that song was not yeah. on there. I think it's it's been on there maybe for a year now. Okay, we got it. All right. Uh from the album Elegantly Wasted. Yes. Mm-hmm. More cowbell. <laughs> All right, uh, that'll do it for this particular episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, once it starts playing, we'll talk to you all very, very soon. Peace. Peace. Spirits run